Have you ever struggled to fit in? Come on, you struggle to fit in? Oh my word. Um, Especially as a kid growing up, I did. Because I really didn't have a a dad. I didn't really have a a father. This seems really, really loud. Can can you, can you, because I'm not even really going yet, okay? so uh, I, didn't, I didn't really have a dad that, that you know, a father's actually the imprint and they mark their kids. You know, there's something there. And so I didn't have that. So I, I really struggled uh, to fit in. I remember when, um, how many of you, I'm going to totally age myself. How many, how many of you remember seafarers? Okay. Well, bell bottoms, right? You know, and it's just like, so, I, you know, I was wanting my mom, hey, give me a, give me a, I want to get a pair of seafarers. You know, now they're coming back in. Y'all know that? It's like, hey, you just stay the course long enough and pretty soon those trends come back around. I also remember, I remember growing up that, that my mom was my barber and the only haircut she knew was a buzz cut. That was it. Troop, off the top. That was it. Buzz cut. Well, then the style started being longer. And so I was like, mom, I want to grow my hair out. I mean, seriously, we had this conversation. Okay, well, I'll try. And so she started giving me a haircut, and then I heard her go, whoops. And it, burp, and it went right off. That was the last haircut my mother ever gave me. Seriously, I started working. I started picking apples, doing whatever I need, get my own money, and finding my own hairdresser, and paying good money for haircuts. Amen? Young people cave into pressure. To fit in, to be accepted, and it leaves scars, and it drags people down pathways decide, designed to destroy them. Clothes and shoes are bought and sold because people want to fit in. They, they are. I mean, we just got to realize it. My, my, my son, uh, Pastor Joel, I hope it's okay to say this, uh, a couple months ago, <laughs> asked for forgiveness later, right? So a few months back, he said, hey, dad, you know, because all the young guys are wearing these like, you know, Air Jordans and kicks and all this kind of stuff. He goes, dad, if I buy you a really good set of kicks, you know, will you wear it when you preach? I'm like, well, you think I'll preach better if I, you know, wear some different whatever. But, but see, here's this thing. We're constantly pressured to identify with something to be branded. You know, we, we do. It's just, it's kind of our lean and we like to be liked. We like to be liked. There's something in us that wants to be accepted and wants to be approved and wants to fit in the crowd. Can I get an amen? Amen. And yet the Bible calls us strangers. Peculiar people. Have you ever been to another country where you stand out? I've been to Africa, I think four times. I stand out in Africa. Right? I remember the first mission trip that we went to, Robbie and I did in the Philippines. And she walks into this public rest, ladies' rest, restroom and she comes out and she goes, Honey, I am tall in the Philippines. <laughs> she stood out. Psalm 119 19 says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Hebrews 11.13 says, These all died in faith, having not received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And then we see in 1 Peter 1.17, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges 
according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. That, that's huge. Because we do not have this eternal perspective. We gauge everything by the here and now, by the calendar, by the clock. And yet your life, I've heard it described, if you could, if you could uh, imagine eternity as a line, it would be infinite. And your life, my life, on that line is going to take up about that much space. And yet we live for that space. And we don't live for that space. We're called to live for that space. And when you live for that space, you're spaced out. You live different. You're, like, you're not like the normal. You're not like the normal. Now, I'm not saying that because you're a believer, the Bible calls you peculiar, set apart. But you're not, it doesn't mean you got to be weird because some people just try to be weird for weird's sake. And that's not cool either. Peter writes that you are a chosen people who have been called out of darkness into the light. And if we're followers of Christ, we are strangers. Not strange, but we're strangers. And you don't have to wear your hair weird. You don't have to, you know, like I've seen people just do crazy stuff. You know, like, well, maybe if I don't wear any makeup, it'll make me holier. There was a, a, a movement of God years ago in our nation. A leader, I think his name was William Brannan. They called him the Brannanites. And basically, you wouldn't wear a watch because that wasn't holy. That wasn't prayer. We get weird with the weirdest stuff. It's like, that's not what God's talking about. It's like, you're different because of what's on the inside, not what, what's on the outside. And sometimes we try to be different by being different on the outside, and nothing changes on the inside. But it's on the inside. It's how we think, how we process, how we move, how we flow, how we walk in peace, how we walk in joy, that is really the difference. And when somebody sees you, they go, I don't know what's different about you because you're wearing the same Air Jordans I'm wearing, you're, or you're wearing the same Nike shirt I'm wearing, or Adidas hoodie I'm wearing, but there's something that you carry yourself differently. What is different? Because it's on the inside. And the kingdom of God is within us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. And sometimes what happens is we, we kind of intellectually move into that, but then we keep the old guy tethered pretty close. We got a leash on him because we really don't want to release him. It's like being out in the field with a, with a hunting dog that's just running like crazy and you don't trust him, so you put a leash on him. The thing is, is that we got to trust this new thing that Jesus has done in us. And because of it, it's going to set us apart. We live in a culture that's enamored with sin. That makes excuses for sin. That glorifies sin. That ignores sin. And we're called to actually not be enamored with sin, but we're called to model heaven. We're called to model from heaven to earth on a consistent basis. And have you ever had someone um, dare you to do something? You know what I'm saying? I went to, I went to Bear Paw Camp for a, a little tour. I think it was this summer, wasn't it? 
And so we got all these like summer interns out there and and they're showing us the stuff and they show me this. I don't know what you guys called it, but you got to go up this ladder and then you got to fall backwards and and you know all these what what's that called? That's a trust fall. And so basically one of these young, I don't know who it was, Lupe, Mickey, I don't know what it was. Probably not Jason cuz he never challenges anybody. But they say, hey, why don't you do this trust fall? And I'm like, and I look down there, and I'm like, Jason's the biggest guy, okay, I trust him. The others are like a bunch of girls that are like this big around. <laughs> I'm like, mm, you know, like I'm about 225, 220 pounds of coiled steel here. You know, if I, <laughs> if I fall backwards, you know, I'm helped. So, but, it, but they dared me to do it. And when they dared me to do it, something went in me like, yes, I got to trust you know what? Like, oh, I hope they, I hope this team knows what they're doing because it's going to hurt real bad. <laughs> I want to encourage you this morning. I want to dare you this morning. That's the title of my message. We're starting a, a series called Conversations. So I can kind of just feel like, okay, what's the Holy Spirit saying? I want to have a conversation that dares you to do something this morning. I want to dare you to be different. I want you to be different than when you came. I want to be different than when I came. I don't want to be the same when I came. If I'm the same when I came, can I be honest with you? I haven't encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm the same when I came, I haven't encountered the washing with the water of the Word. If, I, if I'm the same as when I came, I haven't had my mind transformed again. I haven't had some things restored and rebuilt. Because it's a consistent basis. Nobody's arrived. So I want to encourage you. I want to dare you to be different by being like Him, by being like Jesus. I have a bunch of points this morning. Lose I do three or four. Today I've got like 20. My media team goes, do I have to put all those points on? Like, no, I guess not. No, that's fun. Because it was a lot. I added more points this morning. I was like, ooh, that's really good, Lord. I'm going to add that point this morning. But here, I, okay, so I want you to be, I dare you to be different by praying first and not last. Okay, listen, and we said this in our, in our 21 days of prayer and some preaching there, but let prayer dictate your priorities, not your priorities dictate your prayer. I want you, I want to dare you to be different by giving first and not what's left over. Sometimes we get into places, you know, we're walking in this journey, it's like, man, I don't know, I don't have enough month at the end of my money. And I'm telling you what, you got to get first things first. You give to the Lord, you be generous first. Create a generous man, creates generous things. Dare to be different by investing in your spiritual growth. Think about this. This is this really struck me. People spend countless hours in finances, investing in their education, which is good. Athletes spend countless hours practicing and, and, and doing so that they can be good at something. Doctors and lawyers and nurses and welders and the list goes on and on. But what are we doing by investing in our spiritual growth? My family invested more my family benefited more by my spiritual growth than they benefited by my being able to provide a paycheck, even though that was really important. Yeah. 
I mean, seriously, let's, let's get practical here. You know, you can't just like, okay, honey, we need to go grocery shopping. Well, sorry, you know, but I'll pray. Now get up and work, you know? I mean, do, do what you're called to do. Dare to be different by, by being mentored, being coached, being discipled. A lot of times what happens, I, I think I heard Pastor Stephen say this one time, it was really profound but simple. But he said a lot of times people, they just want to just put on a, a little bit of Jesus on top and hope it's good enough. I got my fire insurance. No, it's not like that. Listen, no one's arrived. I'm, I've been walking with, I'm 62 years old. I know I don't look like it. I'm 62 years old. I've been walking with the Lord for probably all but four or five years of my life. I'm still getting coached. I'm still, I still got spiritual mentors in my life where I'm like, hey, you know, can we walk together? Can we talk about this? Listen, no one has arrived. And it's really important that you do that. You should be able to say, who is mentoring me? Who's coaching me? Who's discipling me? And a name or two should come to mind every time you ask that question. And then when you ask the question, well, who am I, who am I basically downloading to? Who am I sharing with? Who am I reaching out to? You should have two or three names that just come right to mind where you say, oh yeah, that's right. And if you haven't been doing it, get on it, man. If you haven't texted somebody, met with somebody, done a Bible study with somebody, there should always be somebody that it's, it's basically, that's the kingdom. Dare to be different. By serving and not just volunteering on, vac- uh, on occasion. Listen, you can't even find the word volunteer in the New Testament vernacular. A lot of times they're like, well, we just need volunteers. No, actually we need kingdom people who understand that we are called to serve. Everybody's called to serve. So where are, you know, what, what was the old, the old Bob Dylan song? You got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. But you got to serve. We're, we're created to serve. Jesus said this. He said, he would be great in the kingdom. So it's good. It's good to be great in the kingdom. Must become the servant of all. And so you find, okay, where am I serving? When somebody, when you ask yourself that question, you should immediately go, this is where I'm serving in my community. I'm serving the king. I'm serving in my church. I'm serving in this and that. There's something here. I want to dare you to be different by serving and not just volunteering on occasion. I want to dare you to be different. But make the gathering of God's people a priority. Put it on your calendar. In the book of Hebrews, it says that basically forsake not the gathering as some are in the habit of doing. There's something that changes. I, I, I heard of a pastor a number of years ago that basically challenged his church. I mean, everybody's going to miss a Sunday, going to miss a small group, whatever, every once in a while. But he challenged his church, man, why don't you just take 90 days and make gathering together in worship and the word a priority and it changed the absolute life of his church because they formed a habit see we a lot of times we don't come because it's a habit we get out of the habit i'll call people hey bro joe i haven't seen you for a while yeah you know i need to get back i just got out of the habit well get into habit make it a habit i dare you i dare i don't i double dog dare you because it's going to change something in your life. 
It does. It changes them because this is what we're created for. Dare to be different by speaking the best of people instead of the worst. Reframe how you talk about people, how you talk with people. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for the building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Is what you're saying always giving grace? Dare to be different by not falling into gossip or backbiting. It's nothing new. Paul's writing to the the New Testament church that had seen miracles. They'd seen people raised from the dead. The blind would see. The lame would walk. They were seeing amazing, amazing stuff. And he writes to them and he says, listen, this gossip stuff, this backbiting stuff, it's 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 below you. It's not who you're called to be. Gossip is the most acceptable sin in the church. We'll deal with other stuff. Like, no, you know, fire on that thing. You talk about gossip and it's like, mm. you know what it looks like? It looks like, mm. hey, um, can we talk about something? I got a problem with my sister over here. Like, here, here's what you do. Have you talked to her about it yet? No. Okay. Shut up. You go talk to her, and then you can come talk to me if you can't get it resolved. But we got to stop this stuff, man. It's, it's toxic. Our culture is toxic in that. Dare to be different by sharing your faith. Sharing what's inside you. Sharing what God has done with you. It's not that hard. You just need to start doing it. A lot of times you want to go take a 10-pound Bible and beat people up. It's like, no, sometimes it's just like, man, hey, how are you doing? You know, the Lord, you know what? God spoke to me. Or, you know, I mean, seriously, it's not that hard. Get into a rhythm of doing that. Get into a habit of doing that. And dare to be different by swimming upstream instead of just going with the flow. And when you go with the current, find the right current. There's times when you go with the current, but you've got to find the right current. And you can't be carried away by current events. Don't be carried away by conspiracy currents. Can I just say that to somebody? Conspiracy stuff is addicting, and it's not necessarily biblical. It's there. In Isaiah, so here's not just a pastor telling you, but let's talk about the Word of God. Isaiah 8, 11 through 12. It said, For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled. It's an age-old problem. We get caught up in the wrong current. And I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. Is that what ostriches do? I've never seen an ostrich do that. That's weird. I've always heard they do it. I've never seen one ever do it. Have you, have you, you got ostriches in Australia? No, you don't. You have emus. Did, okay, have you ever seen an ostrich in South Africa stick its head in the sand? I haven't either. And you've lived there, right? Do they, 
does an ostrich really stick its head in the sand? Sheesh. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's listening, does it make a sound? I don't think it, people will argue that because it turns into a conspiracy. Oh yeah, it does. Listen, I'm not saying that you're not aware of things, but what, here's what I want to say. We're not given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And you open yourselves up for all kinds of demonic activity when you walk in that kind of thing, because if you do, it invites an attitude of being troubled all the time. Well, I'm just troubled all the time. God's not called you to be troubled. Well, I'm, a, I'm anxious. God's not called you to be anxious. Jesus said, or Paul said, be anxious for nothing. So it's not like you go around like, you know, you know, with this kind of like, okay, nothing's going on. But listen, you can get so caught up in it, it actually does something in your spirit. And when you go with the current, find the current, the right current of purity. Find the current of integrity. Find the current of wholeness and contentment. I want to find the current of contentment. I want to find the current of wholeness. I want to find the current. I want to walk with, I want to walk with people that are swimming in the same current. You guys, I told you I had a lot of points. I want to dare you to be different by believing in miracles again. In healing. And that God still delivers. Sometimes we read it like it's history and we don't understand. No, it's actually, it's actually past, it's present, and it's future. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same God. And he can still move. But a lot of times what we do is we just, we just kind of like, oh, that's a one-off. I don't think it should be the exception. I want you to dare to be different by being an instrument and a vessel that God uses to touch the earth. There's, there's something about legacy. There's something in my spirit about legacy. It's like, what am I going to leave that's actually going to last? What am I building now that will fade away? So I want to build something that is going to last. And that means that I have to actually not be so worried about building my own stuff, but building what God's called me to build. Okay, what do you, what do you want to build, Lord? What do you want to do that lasts, that impacts the next generation? How do I give today? How do I build today that actually moves on before, you know, beyond me, beyond this life? I want... I want to dare you this morning to be a stranger. Not stranger. Don't be strange. But be a stranger and a foreigner. Our citizenship is in heaven. You've got to see yourself in a different place. You know, we, uh, it, it was kind of interesting because we get so much identity by where we're at. Robbie and I spent about seven years in McCall, Idaho. McCall's beautiful if you've been there it's just beautiful and we would have to run down to Boise to uh you know get some groceries and stuff like that and you know back in the day when you could go down there and write a check and I remember one time we were like at a Winco and you know we wrote we wrote a check and and the gal says well 
where are you from? And we said, well, we're from McCall. And she goes, oh, McCall. <laughs> yeah, we live in McCall. Sometimes we get so much identity by where we live. Sometimes we get so much identity by like, I live in Idaho. I live in Montana. I live in Texas. I'm going to move to Tennessee. I live in Washington. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But I identify as Idaho. Sorry. But your identity shouldn't be where you live. It should be where you're placed. It should be where you're seated. It should be who's inside you. We have a kingdom. We have a banner. His banner over us is love. Man, it says this in Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. I'll have our worship team start coming up. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together. Okay, now, now i got to stop there. Because a lot of times we have this personal, we've used the words, I think, without understanding what we've created. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Okay, now that's good. But our relationship with Jesus is we've been made alive together. And sometimes we have this kind of me and Jesus, we got a good thing going. And I don't need Jesus in you. I just got Jesus in me. And it's not, that's not ever been the intent of God. See, God as a father had a son, just like a father today would dream for a, a son or a daughter. And then if he has a son, he wants a daughter and he wants a family. I mean, one, this is the heart of God is to actually have family. And that means it's together and it's community. So it says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you've been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I thought, Pastor Joy, I've heard him preach that message a couple times with the seed of Jesus and the seed of Moses. Absolutely incredible. You have a different viewpoint. You've got to have a different viewpoint. So don't go back to the old viewpoint. See who you are in him, not who you are in you. Dare to be someone that God has called you to be. And the amazing thing is that God has supplied you with all you need by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God in you that's motivating, that's directing, that's counseling, and that's remaking the old you into the new you because the world doesn't need the old you. The world's got a lot of people that are just like the old you, and the world needs the new you. The world needs Christ in you is the hope of glory because the commodity that is missing, the element that is out is is the element of hope and the only hope that we have is in what God has planned, what God is doing, what God is directing, how God is walking, how God is breathing and we and you and, and it looks like you. It looks like you. This is amazing. If you're going to take a model and say this is what the world needs right now. It would resemble you and I. 
with Jesus in it, directing the traffic, with the identity in heaven on earth. And your perspective is different, it's changed. We're called to access heaven, access relationship with God, and actually change the atmosphere and the environment that we walk in. Can I dare you? Can I dare you to trust God like you've never trusted Him before? Can I double dare you? Put your faith in Him. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. God, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation, but I'm going to I'm going to give it up to you because I need your help, and then you direct the traffic. Can I dare you this morning to love people like you've never loved them before? Because we get isolated, insulated, we get callous, we get hardened, we get like, oh man, we start looking at people and we just don't like them. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that all who would believe in Him would not perish. He so loved. He made a decision. He didn't love us because we had it all figured out. He loved us because He decided He was going to love us. I'm going to love them like nobody's ever loved them. I'm going to love them to the end of the world. I'm going to love them. And if we have that same determination, because it's not about your emotions. It's not about transactional relationship. You know, it's like my wife will say, honey, I love you. And I'll say, well, copy that. Ditto. Right back at you. Like, no, that ain't good enough. Honey, I love you. Yes, I love you too. It's not even the love like that. It's like, even if she never said she loved me, I'm going to say, I love you. I love you. I love you more than you love me. I know it. I know it in my knower. I know it. I love you. Do I need to say that again? I love you. This is the heart of... Can I dare you to forgive like you've never forgiven before? Oh, but it's hard, God. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how much abuse, how much pain, how much heartache, how much difficulty. Man, we don't even forgive. I mean, those are huge things. But we don't even forgive people that are just like, well, they just irritate me. Yeah, I'm telling you what, you probably irritate God too. And He still loves you, He still forgives you. Man, what would it look like if we just had this, you know, and I'm not saying, I know you can kind of delve into this and unpack layers and, you know, it's okay to have some structures and some boundaries and some things like this, and we could probably do a whole series on that, but I'm talking about just having the aptitude and the attitude to say, you know what, I'm going to love people. I'm going to love people. And that's a God work that will that He will do in you. It's not like you can just kind of cowboy up. It's like God, by your Holy Spirit and by your word, would you do something in me that just softens my heart to the humanity around me? Because Lord, in my own flesh, I don't think they deserve it, but God, in your heart, they do. 
because it's not by works. Can I challenge you to do something different this year? Can I challenge you to committing to gather on Sunday? Can I challenge you to be in a small group this year? Can I I challenge you to commit to serve the body and watch your spiritual journey take a fresh turn? Can Can I challenge you to be generous? Can I challenge you to be a blessing? Can I challenge you to be full of joy? Can I challenge you to to smile come on can we just smile at people (laughs) when we go into the store can we just smile at them can we just you know a lot of times it's like we just you know we just like tuck our head in you know just like i'm getting my stuff can we can we just smile can we show up on the outside what's going on on the inside because what's on the inside is amazing it's incredible it's full of joy it's full of peace and it's righteousness and that's the kingdom of God come on give Jesus a shout if there's an amen in your spirit